0: All right, playmakers, big news. The 2023 version of my What's Working in the Indoor Play Industry Guide is here. To learn about exactly what is working best right now for real-life currently operating indoor playground owners, head to the show notes to download my fully updated free guide. That's right, even if you've downloaded one of my What's Working guides in the past, you will not want to miss this new version made specifically with what's trending and fresh for 2023 in mind. Head to the show notes for the direct link or go to michellecaruanacom slash what's working to get the guide in your inbox right now. If you're in the play and party business and you wanna operate with more ease and joy all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for small but mighty tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. Alright Playmakers, happy Monday. I hope you're going into this new year feeling really energized and refreshed and ready to get back in the swing of things, but if you're still playing catch up like so many of us, that's okay too. So a couple weeks back on this podcast, you may have missed it, but I mentioned that I was going to start answering questions that I get really commonly in my Instagram DMs or on my YouTube channel or in my email inbox. And that's exactly what we're going to start doing today. So if you have any questions or any topic that you want me to cover or anything like that, please feel free to send me an Instagram DM. My profile is linked in the show notes. But so often I get questions again on my YouTube channel or in my Instagram DM saying, Hey, Michelle, I'm thinking about offering X, you know, insert service or offering here. What would you charge for this? And the latest example of this was on my YouTube channel on my 2023 indoor playground business trends video. It's always one of my most popular every single year. I predict the trends that are coming in the indoor play industry. I'm going to link that video in the show notes. Again, if you're still playing catch up. But shout out to Elizabeth for being the inspiration behind this episode. And before we get started, I just want to give a little disclaimer. This is one of those episodes where I really need you to stay until the end. There are some really key takeaways that I need you to hear. And I promise we are going to wrap all of this up with a neat little bow. So just make sure you stick around because it will be worth it. But so often, people forget the basic principles of business when it comes to pricing in their indoor playground business. And I'm just here to tell you that that's okay. It's totally normal, and that's what I'm here for. I would say a vast, vast majority of owners in this business come from the early childhood development space or are parents who simply wanted to create a positive impact on on the families in their community with their business. They didn't go to business school like I did, and that is exactly why I created this podcast and all of my courses and programs, quite honestly. (laughs) Back in episode 137 of this podcast, I talked about how when you're looking for a business mentor or coach or consultant or creator, you should try and look for someone who fills in the gaps that you might be lacking or areas where you might not be as strong. So for me, when I was going into this business, I had all the business acumen and know-how. My husband and I had owned several businesses before, but I needed a lot of help designing my play space so that it would be accessible and developmentally appropriate for the ages I'd be accommodating and the type of play that I wanted to feature. And I still follow so many play experts for that reason. It's not my area of expertise, so I'm always learning and looking to grow in this area. And whenever I talk about this in my courses or in my membership, I tend to bring in guest experts because while I have a lot of experience, I love to supplement that experience with proven knowledge. And even though I did have a master's degree in business experience, I still hired another indoor playground owner as a consultant because I saw really quickly just how nuanced and unique the indoor play industry was. And I knew I could get to a place of success a lot quicker if I learned from someone who went before me and had all those juicy insider secrets that I was craving. Now, I'm not going to get into my whole spiel, but you can learn about Just how much time and money you can save by investing in my Play Cafe Academy course, which has over 70 detailed lessons and comes with all the time saving templates you need to operate your business with more efficiency and ease. Just click the link in the show notes. But just know that you'd have to pay a one on one consultant tens of thousands of dollars to get that same level and amount of information and resources. And some people find that a combination of my course and personalized mentorship is the best fit for them, which is why I also created Playmaker Society, which is my membership just for current owners and Play Cafe Academy students, where both myself and over 200 current indoor playground owners are ready and waiting to generously share their expertise and guidance. So just know, you know, I created my course so that you didn't have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to get everything you need to know from a consultant. And consultants are just not set up that way. They're kind of more reactive, right? They'll answer your questions. They'll help direct you if you need to know something about a specific offering or point of sale system or something like that. But when you hire a consultant, a lot of times you don't know what questions are right to ask, right? You don't know what you don't know, which is why I created my course. But anyway, again, off my soapbox. So let's get back to the main topic of pricing, shall we? If pricing feels really confusing to you, again, it's okay and you are not alone. It's still one of the most commonly brought up topics in playmaker society and for good reason. If we were running product-based businesses, it would be a lot easier there are pretty consistent industry standards when it comes to profit margins and pricing in the product-based business world. But with service-based businesses like ours, it becomes a little more subjective and a lot more of a gray area. Much of the value we provide to our customers isn't quantifiable, nor does it have a direct cost to us like it would if we were selling like a toy, right? If we purchase a toy for $20 from Melissa and Doug or another manufacturer, manufacturer, it's a lot easier to calculate what we would need to charge to make it worth our while. So let's take open play for example. If one more person walks through our indoor playground door, that technically doesn't have a direct cost to us. Sure, we have to staff our space, We need to pay rent. We need to purchase cleaning supplies to tidy and sanitize when that customer leaves. There's heat and air conditioning that we need to be sure is on to welcome guests. We need to plow our parking lot of snow or things like that. We need to purchase bathroom supplies they'll likely use. And let's not forget all of the startup costs that we sunk when we first launched our play spaces. But still, that one person or family walking through the door has no or very little direct cost to your business. Sure, they'll be contributing to your operating costs, as I described above, but it's not likely you'll be following them into the bathroom and measuring how much toilet paper they use, nor should you. This is one of the key things I teach in my paid programs, but I wanted to give you an example of what I recommend to my students here today in this episode, and I'm going to use the example that Elizabeth on my YouTube channel asked about. She said, and I quote, hey, how much would you charge on, on the monthly parents night out thing? Out of curiosity, we have a play space here that does them now and now and then for $45 per kid, but they don't have any monthly things. So I think she's just saying that they do it kind of on a one-off basis and they don't do it like the second Tuesday or Friday of every month or something like that. Now, I first mentioned that we stopped doing Kids Night Out for so many reasons. And again, if you're a Playmaker Society member, if you know, you know. But since it does work for other spaces, I told her that we can reverse engineer the answer to her question. And again, we're going to do that here right now. So grab your pen and paper if you need to. I told her, your cost really depends first on your local wage rates. So in New York State, our minimum wage is super high, making our costs much higher. So I would never compare my pricing to a business like, for example, in Florida. But assuming a $14 an hour labor rate and two people working, again, just assuming, if they each work a four-hour shift for a three-hour drop-off period because Most kids' night out type things are three hours and they have to set up and, of course, they have to clean up after all the kiddos leave. That's $112, again, just taking 14 times 8. Now, food and crafts and activities will likely be around another $50 more or less, again, depending on the cost in your specific area. And that brings your total direct cost for this drop-off service to be $162. A direct cost simply means that the bill or cost would not exist if you did not offer this service. It's not like rent, which is a bill you get regardless of whether or not you even welcome any customers or not, right? You don't have to pay for the pizza or for those hourly wages if you're not doing this kid's drop-off service. Now, I typically teach my students to work in a minimum 60% profit margin for all services like this, and the details, again, are in my paid program, but just know that in my almost eight years of experience in this industry, that's a pretty good profit margin number that accounts for contributing to operating costs, your owner's compensation, recouping your startup costs, all that. Now, of course, this is assuming your operating costs are within a healthy range and that your owner's compensation expectations, that's a tongue twister, sorry, are realistic and on par with your revenue and the size of your business. But again, more on that in my paid program. I just couldn't possibly get through all of that here on this podcast or even in an audio format. But let's assume that your direct costs for the service are $162, again, for labor, supplies, and food. So if you can accept 12 kids safely, and again, this will depend on your local child-to-adult ratios and the kids' ages. Again, this will vary greatly since younger kids will need more adults and older kids are more independent, right? they go to the bathroom themselves, they don't need to be changed, things like that. So let's assume 12 children. Then charging $40 and over per child would put Elizabeth within the desired range of profit margin. If she charged $40 per child, again assuming 12 kids, she would be at a 66% profit margin with her direct costs. If she charged $45, she would be at a 70% profit margin. Now, as we all know, not everything works like they tell us it would in business school. So if you're doing your calculations and come up with a magic number you should charge, you still need to gut check it or reality check it, if you will. So for example, if you do this calculation and realize that you'd need to charge $75 per child to make this service fall within the healthy profit margin range and all of your competition in your area charge $40 for a similar service, you might need to reevaluate. Now, maybe you serve a different type of clientele and maybe people will be willing to pay your higher prices because of the extra value you provide or because they love and trust your space. My recommendation with this is to always start a bit on the low side when it comes to pricing because it's always much easier to raise prices for a service than to lower them. If customers see you lowering prices too often, that might give them a sense of unease. And especially when it comes to drop-off care, they might lose a little confidence in you. But if they see you raising prices, this signals to them that people are really happy with your service and that because demand seems to be high, they better grab their ticket or membership while they can. And this kind of works in a bit of urgency to your offers, again, because if you're raising prices again and again and again, again, it's going to signal to your customers, oh, I better hop on this or it's going to sell out or I better hop on this membership or this ticket price before it goes up again. So as I said, if you do this calculation and realize you would need to charge $75 or something like that per child to make this service fall within the healthy profit range, and all of the other competitors in your area charge $40, you might need to re-evaluate. Maybe you need to up the amount of kids that you can handle. Maybe by making the age requirement a bit older because, again, you can typically safely accommodate older children a lot easier with fewer adults than you would be able to for toddlers. Maybe you need to scale back your offer a bit and not include pizza with the drop-off service. There are so many ways to tweak your offer so that it is profitable and sustainable for your business, and this is exactly what we workshop in Playmaker Society. and. That's when it becomes so helpful to hear from other owners who are a few years ahead of you and have already gone through all this trial and error. And the same is true if you do your calculation and it says you only need to charge $10, but your competitor is charging $50. Maybe you need to include a bit more in your offer to stand out, or maybe you are underselling yourself. The key takeaway, again, this is what I wanted you to stick around for, the key takeaway I want you to get from this episode is that you should be pricing based on your own business numbers and the type of clients that you serve. Your own costs and desired profit margin should be what drive your pricing. It shouldn't be emotion or competition. If you price just based on competition, it's kind of like trying to shoot an arrow in the dark. And expecting to hit a bullseye. You have no idea what is going on behind your competitors' closed doors. I know you already know this, but spoiler alert, social media is fake. And let me tell you from experience and from the DMs I get all the time on Instagram. So many indoor playground businesses who look extremely successful on the outside are anything but when I actually dig into their numbers and ask what they're actually making as owners and how many hours they're having to put in. Who knows how they, I'm, I'm talking about your competition, how they arrived at their prices and if they're even seeing a profit from their that service or if they're struggling. And you also don't and can't know if they were gifted their business or if they were given money from an angel investor or from a family member or a friend or if they even have to pay back loans right if they didn't have to contribute anything to their startup costs their operating costs are going to be a lot different than if you had to take out a loan for their for your business and you don't know if they even see any take home income as an owner and you don't know if they need to maybe they have a trust fund, or maybe they have somebody else that's paying for their lifestyle or their actual living expenses. And there's no shame in that if you're listening to this and that's you. The point here is that you just don't know what is truly going on with your competitors. And because of that, I don't want them to contribute too much or have too much weight on your prices. So while it's a good idea, again, to gut check your prices against your competitors, do not let their prices or services dictate yours. If you serve a different ideal customer than them, maybe you should be priced much higher or much lower. And if you need a refresher about ideal customer avatars, go back to episode 139. It's a good one, and I will link it in the show notes as a little follow-up listening after this episode. Again, the key here is you need to price your numbers based on your business needs, and you need to be able to justify your pricing through effective messaging and marketing if it's a little bit different from your competitors, which again, I talk all about on this podcast, in my courses, and on my YouTube channel. If you have a question about this or another topic or a question that you'd like me to cover, again, please feel free to send me a DM on Instagram and let me know if you found this helpful. I love your feedback so much. And as always, if you did find this helpful, the best way that you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. All right, I really appreciate you being here, and I will see you right back here on Wednesday. Have a great day, playmakers.